Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, back out of here on The Fan, Jonathan Beetle and G. Bush. Let's go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, one of our favorites. Chris Fedor, Cleveland.com, joining us here on The Fan. What's up, Chris? What's going on, guys? How are you? Good. How was your break? Even though I know it's not really a break because Donovan Mitchell still did a lot of things. It was a wonderful break. The fact that I just did not have to be in Indy, the fact that I didn't have to travel, the fact that I could be home with my wife and my son. It was everything that I needed to uh, get through the final grind of the season. Yeah, and it, you know, it's it's funny that you put it that way because uh, I, I've been thinking a lot about what that grind is for the All-Star yeah. game and, and some of these players and everything. And and I, I think it kind of came up within the All-Star game conversation, so we'll start there. I, I, I gave Donovan and a lot of these players a pass because – when you go and you've gone to, I'm sure you've gone to the NBA All-Star game in the past where you, you get mm-hmm. like the, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah, all the endorsement <laughs> deals, all these parties you have to go to, all these things. You know it, Chris, by Sunday, these guys are, they're spent. They're, they're, they're exhausted. They're just like, I, I don't want to do the game. Yeah, that's the thing about All-Star weekend, right, guys, is that the game itself is is not what these guys look forward to. It's not what these guys care about it's not what the weekend is even all about it's the culmination of the weekend for sure but it's all that other stuff that goes into it um the media day the events that they do with their shoe stuff the events that they do um just around town to embrace the community and all-star saturday night has been the big thing not so much the all-star game itself so it truly is an event you look at the game and it's just an afterthought at this point yeah, I I thought Donovan and a lot of other uh, other players looked disinterested in, in you know the game, um, mm-hmm. which it, it couldn't be you know it could be worse. I, it, it makes me think that he's more <laughs> interested in the Cavs, you know, trying to you know get a number one seed. Like I feel like Donovan Mitchell from the time of the year, first time of the year when we talked about him possibly being traded or whoever said he was getting traded, he's mm-hmm. done a lot to uh, re-ingratiate himself by the way he's played. Um, and I think he's made a lot of people forget about being traded. Is is that – do you think a lot of fans are buying into that now? I certainly hope so because since Donovan arrived from Utah on that blockbuster trade, he's done nothing but embrace this community, embrace this team, say all the right things, and do all the right things. You know what I mean? Like – In the first two years since he became a member of the Cavs, last year was a career year for him across the board, and this year he's been even better. 
He's been an Eastern Conference All-Star starter. He's been an Eastern Conference All-Star reserve. He's empowered his teammates. He's led the Cavs to 51 wins, and who knows how many they're going to get um, this year. He led them to their first playoff appearance um, in five years. So he is doing everything that, that pertains to winning basketball, and that's what it is about for Donovan. Um, for all the things um, that he cares about off the court, and he has interests off the court, there's no doubt about it. He has done um, everything on the court that you would want a superstar to do. And he's done everything in the community that you would want a superstar to do as well. Um, So I'm not sure what else he can do short of actually signing a contract extension um, to let this fan base and let this organization know that he is all in on them, um, certainly for the time being. All right, I'm going to set this up, and I'm going to try to do a good job doing it. So if you have any questions, just kind of play with me for a second here. All right, Chris? Okay. Uh, so I, I I keep seeing things for the Lakers in the future, and they're trying to find a way to, you know, make a life post-LeBron while also being competitive. And the two names that uh-huh. keep getting brought up is Trey Young and Donovan Mitchell. If Donovan decides that he doesn't want to be a member of the Cavs, does LeBron owe Cleveland – anything in regards to considering the idea that uh, maybe Donovan Mitchell's untouchable because uh, he doesn't want to cut the calves down at the knees, or is it just LeBron just only worries about LeBron and that is what it is? Yeah, he doesn't have to worry about the calves anymore. He left the calves. He did what he did for the calves, um, everything that he needed to do for this organization. Now he's a member of the Los Angeles Lakers trying to make that organization the best that they can possibly be trying to allow him to further his career, compete for more championships, um, enhance his legacy even more. And if he gets the sense that there's an opening for another star player to join alongside him, I don't think he's going to say, Hey, Rob Polinka, don't go target Donovan Mitchell because that would be a bad thing for Cleveland. And that would be a bad thing for the Cavs. I certainly cannot see LeBron having any kind of thought of, of that. Um, and, and I don't think he should either. Um, it's a business, it's a cutthroat business and it's all about championships. Um, just like for Donovan Mitchell, it's about championships. It's about championships for LeBron James too. Do you feel like Cavs fans would be disappointed in LeBron if it worked out that way? No, I don't think so. I would hope not. Um, because like LeBron is not the GM, LeBron's not the owner. Of course, he's going to have say in, in what happens with that roster, and he's already had say in what happens with that roster. But I, I don't think Cavs fans should have any ill will if down the road Donovan Mitchell happens to get traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. But let's put it this way. The Cavs are not in the business of helping the, the big market Los Angeles Lakers by taking back their scraps simply because Donovan Mitchell or some other player um, may may find it appealing to play for the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, Chris, um, you know, one of the, the, the major developments that uh, happened during the first part of the season is that we found out that Donovan Mitchell was pretty good at being the leader of the attack. Yeah. Uh, you know, they kind of, you know, changed the way they played, uh, you know, going with one big and four out, shooting a lot of threes, mm-hmm. uh, pushing the pace. Um has it been a little difficult for Darius Garland to kind of, I guess, assimilate into what they're doing now because he's used to having the ball and used to dribbling and, and being a creator? Um, and do you think that he will have to take a, I guess, a different or a lesser role moving forward, uh, given the way that the style that they're playing right now? 
Guys, it has been difficult on Darius. It's been difficult on Darius for a variety of reasons. Number one, every time it feels like he's starting to get into a rhythm and starting to play like himself and starting to feel really, really good, something else happens that derails that. If you remember at the beginning of the season, he was dealing with a hamstring injury. It took him a while to get over that. And once he started feeling like himself, feeling like a part of the team, feeling like in rhythm, his old all-star capable self, he bashes his face into the hip of Kristaps Porzingis, and he has a fluke injury that sidelines him for six weeks, has him eating out of a straw for four of those weeks, unable to do any kind of conditioning to, to stay in basketball shape for four of those weeks because the doctor said he couldn't raise his heart rate. So that's part of why it's been such a wonky season for Darius, and he's had a hard time you know, finding his place within this team is because this team has has been without him for more games than it's been with him. The other part of it, guys, I think it's just natural, right? We can sit here and we can say that Darius or any player that we're talking about has the best intentions, um, wants to fit in, wants to do things to benefit the team and make the sacrifices that are required for this team to be great, right? Everybody wants to do those things, but doing them is not, easy you don't just snap your fingers and go from a ball dominant high usage guard to being super comfortable playing off the ball like Steph Curry or Clay Thompson right you have to grow into that you have to get reps with that you have to get different kinds of opportunities throughout the course of the game to understand how to best be effective that kind of way Darius Garland has been a point guard since he could walk Darius Garland is used to playing a certain kind of way. This organization had a modicum of success with Darius playing that way and now telling him, hey, man, like you've got to change your game. He's trying. He's doing everything he can possibly do. He's getting off the ball. He's moving without it. Um, He's trying to um, pass the ball a little bit more so that he can um, fit in with this style where everything is making decisions quick and the ball is moving and they're passing at the highest rate of any team in the NBA, not named the Indiana Pacers. But it's just not going to be seamless because he hasn't played that kind of way for um, much of his NBA career. You know, Chris, it kind of feels like the the core four, the importance on each one of them, and I don't know, maybe it's just Jared Allen playing as good as he has in the past couple months. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's shifted a little bit. Uh, does it feel that way for you as well? No, I think it's just shifted temporarily. Okay. Um, I, I think they found a style that was very, very effective for them um, at a time where both Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, two of those core four pieces um, were sidelined. And and I don't think anybody wants to do anything to disrupt that. I think if anything, you know, Evan Mobley coming back wants to enhance that and Darius Garland coming back wants to enhance that. And for all the conversations about Darius Garland doesn't fit with Donovan Mitchell and it doesn't look as pretty as what you would want it to. And who knows if that's a long-term solution for the Cavs, Darius and Donovan together, when they've been on the court, despite the fact that Darius has not been the Darius that we know he's capable of, and despite the fact that majority of those minutes with Darius and Donovan together on the court came at the beginning of the season when the Cavs were still trying to find themselves and still trying to figure out how to blend in new pieces and match their new system with their old system and all those different circumstances. Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell together, when they're on the floor, They're outscoring opponents by nine points per 100 possessions. As a duo, that is better than Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. 
That is better than Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. That is better than Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. That is on par with Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and some of these other great tandems that you want to throw out there in the NBA. So even though both guys, in some ways, are still figuring it out, and even though the Cavs, in some ways, are still figuring it out, they are still a great team when Darius and Donovan are on the court together. So I don't know that the long-term hierarchy has shifted or anything along those lines. I just think the Cavs went on a run at a time that both of those guys were out. And since they came back, they only lost one game. Yeah, So it's yeah. not like those guys have been disruptive to what the Cavs were doing. Chris, the advanced numbers love Donovan's defense right now. Do you love it the same way, or is it being overvalued a little bit? Well, I love it to the, the, the extent that he is fully committed on that end of the floor. He understands the reputation that has been attached to him. He's giving the kind of effort that you would want from a superstar. And look, if he's going to be in a starting lineup that does not include Isaac Okoro anymore, because it doesn't, because Darius Garland's back and Max Struess is now the starting small forward, like Donovan's going to have to take some of those matchups, right? Max Struess is going to have to take some of those matchups. Darius is going to have to take some of those matchups. You have to have a desire to do that. Um, and, and Donovan is showing that kind of effort. He's showing that intensity. He's showing a level of physicality. Um, and somebody, it's so funny that you bring this up, Jonathan and G. Bush, because uh, somebody from out of town was in the locker room um, following the Toronto Raptors game. And it was very close to the all-star break. And he mentioned that he thought Donovan should be defensive player of the year to Donovan, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And Donovan was like, wow, well, thanks very much. I mean, Rudy is a great defender. And, and he was like, Listen to this guys. Like somebody's talking about my defense. They're not talking about my threes. They're not talking about my dunks. They're not talking about my scores. This guy over here is talking about my defense saying that I should be defensive player of the year over Rudy Gobert. And like Donovan loved that because he understands the reputation about him as a defender and he has definitely made a commitment to that will it hold up in a seven game playoff series when he's asked to do so much on the offensive end of the floor I think that remains to be seen Um, but you give him a lot of credit for the way that he has defended but we're not going to start giving him defensive player of the year putting him on all defensive teams or anything along those lines well listen I I will say this he 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 has dedicated himself to uh, you know, the uh, offense and defensive side of the court. Yep. Um, I got a question about the rotation. Um, you know, it's kind of tough now. Uh, you know, usually, you know, in the playoffs, <laughs> you know, when you you want to tighten things up, you play eight guys, right? Yeah. And you get a guy like Sam Merrill who uh, it just looks like he's a knockdown shooter. And you're like, man, right. how can I find more minutes for him? Or, you know, you look at Karis LeVert, who's the sixth man coming off the bench, or George Niang mm-hmm. and Isaac Okoro, to me, has been pretty much, I think, the most one of the most improved players in the league, especially the way he's defending multiple positions and shooting the ball. How do you find, like, you know, is it a hit or miss, or do you just have to play who the hot hand? I mean, they all of a sudden got eight or nine guys that nine, yeah. ten guys can play. Like, what, how does JB go about figuring out that, that lineup? Guys, I think he's still trying to work through that. And and I don't know what the perfect solution is. Uh, the, the thing, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people around the NBA about this specifically. And the only solution that I can come up with, because there's just so many minutes to go around, and many of these guys play the same position, right? The guard spot or the wing spot or something along those lines. And it's like, 
depth was a problem for the Cavs last year. They had the 28th ranked scoring bench in the entire NBA. It showed itself in that first round playoff series against the Knicks. The Cavs bench was completely overmatched against New York's bench. But like that has become a strength for this team. Suddenly they're in the top half of the NBA in scoring. Sam Merrill doing what he's doing. George Niang making an impact. Karis LeVert in the conversation for sixth man of the year. You know, Craig Porter Jr. was a revelation. Tristan Thompson, when he was on the court, was better than I think a lot of people thought he was going to be. He was making an on-court impact just as much as he was making a behind-the-scenes impact. Dean Wade going from starter to coming off the bench. He's become an elite on-ball defender, and he contributes to winning at a high level. Like, he's in two of the three most important Cavs lineups so far this year, just based on pure metrics. So a weakness has become a strength, and and I think JB has to continue to understand that, and he has to continue to believe that, and he has to continue to trust this bench. And I think the best solution for him, honestly, is just to take a few minutes here or there from each individual guy and hope that that adds up. So if that means Donovan going from 37 to 35, if that means Darius going from 34 to 32, if that means Karis going from – 30 to 28 if that means Isaac going from 28 to 26 like they cannot afford based on how they want to play and based on how dynamic he is as an offensive weapon and the attention that he commands every time he takes the floor the Cavs cannot afford to take Sam Merrill out of this rotation they cannot because he has enhanced this offense he has raised this offensive ceiling and that's problematic to me from JB's perspective that's a problem that he has um, limited the amount of time that he has gone to Sam Merrill and he has determined in his own mind, um, and we'll see if he's right or wrong on this, but he has determined in his own mind that there are certain matchups that are not favorable for Sam and he's not going to play him consistent minutes in them. And I think it's really, really um, risky to just go into a situation and, and say, you know, if if you don't have it in the first half, in that one stint that I give you, I'm going to go away from you because you have to keep confidence with Sam Merrill. You have to keep confidence with Dean Wade and all these other guys on the bench because there are going to be times that the Cavs are desperately going to need them in a seven-game series in April. And if their confidence level is what it was for Dean Wade, for example, last year in the first round of the playoffs against the Knicks, then you're not going to get the version of the guy that you got in the regular season that was so impactful to the Cavs winning 18 of 20 during one stretch. So I get it. JD has a lot to juggle, but, but that's one of the things that I think Cavs fans have to pay attention to. And JB has to pay attention to in the final 29 games. It's one of the most important aspects to me of the remainder of this regular season is keeping everybody a part of it. That has been a part of it. Uh, Chris, we've got a couple minutes left here. I, I just want to quickly, Shaq was giving advice to Damian Lillard about being too soft with the Bucks, and I was thinking about it in relation to the Cavs. I, I don't know if the Cavs are, are too nice necessarily, uh, but I think without Donovan, maybe you could have made that case. Uh, do you feel like this team, at times, with if you didn't include Donovan, is a little too soft, a little too nice? I don't think anybody wanted to come out and say that, but I think the moves that they made this offseason pointed to that. And and I think it was pretty clear that the front office saw a lack of physicality, a lack of toughness, a lack of playoff know-how 
if you want to put it that way, in the first-round series against the Knicks. Because who did they go out and get? This offseason, they went out, they got Max Struess, they got George Niang, and they got Tristan Thompson. You want to take a guess at who the three players on this roster are that have the most playoff experience? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tristan Thompson, George Niang, and Max <laughs> Struess. So it was clear to me without the Cavs wanting to say, hey, like, we need an edge. We need a toughness. We need guys who understand playoff basketball at a different level. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We need guys who have more of a readiness than maybe Evan Mobley, Isaac Okoro, Darius Garland when it comes to understanding playoff basketball. Um, and, and I think you have seen it show itself um, throughout the course of this year. Like Max Struess is one of the league leaders in technical fouls because he plays with that kind of fire and that kind of passion. Tristan Thompson is never afraid to mix it up with anybody. George Niang might be at the top of the NBA in terms of dudes who trash talk the most. <laughs> so, yeah, it was pretty clear that the Cavs saw um, a, a big-time weakness in that department, and they addressed it this offseason and give them credit for addressing it this offseason and, and with guys who also um, bring those things but happen to fit in the locker room as well. Chris, fantastic insight as always. Uh, we appreciate you giving us a few minutes and being generous with your time, and we'll catch up with you later. Thank you. All right, Chris. You got it, guys. Any stuff. All right, good stuff right there with Chris on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. We come on back. Are the Cavs a little too nice? Do they have those tough guys that Chris was talking about right there? And we'll get to Mitch Please coming up in about 25 minutes as well. It's Jonathan Beadle and Garrett Bush in for Ken and Anthony with you guys right here on The Fan. Chris Fedor joining us moments ago. G. Bush, Jonathan Beadle here with you guys. We'll get to Mitch Please coming up in 20 minutes. That's, I mean, that's, it's interesting because a lot of people, I bet a lot of Cavs fans wouldn't recognize that. Yeah, um... Some Cavs fans would say that that's just a product of Donovan Mitchell being so good. I mean, he has, he's having the best year of his life in terms of assists, rebounds. And even um, the defensive part that we brought in the equation as well. Like, right. defensively, he's been – I know it's a joke. Like, he was like, oh, hey, hey the, the reporter is asking me about defensive player of the year. It's like, all right, yeah, but really there are a lot of advanced metrics that love Donovan Mitchell's defense this right. season. Right. And, 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 for a guy that was looked like a traffic cone for the majority of his career. I, I think, you know – you know, he's he's reaching that that pinnacle where, you know, you start talking about legacy and, yes, I've already made a lot of money. I'm going to get a max deal. I know that. But now he's starting to look at it like, you know what? This is my defining part, portion of my life. Like, you know, I, I mean, how many more years do I have in my prime? Like, mm -hmm. you know, you start to, you know, question your mortality and you start to say, like, okay, what have I really done? Like, there's a lot of great scores. Like, there's a lot of great guys that put up 30-plus a game. Um, but, you know, is my career well, going do, to be do you want to be? Do you want to retire being James Harden? That's a tough one. Like, do you want to go down being a three-time scoring champ, seven-time All-NBA, ten-time All-Star, never want to ring? 
Even with Kyrie. One away, one away MVP, average 30 points a game, often never won a ring. Even when you look at, and, and, and I think we look at people different. Like, we look at Kyrie and Kevin Durant a little different because we kind of diminish their attributes because, yeah, they're great scorers. They are pretty much unstoppable if they do what they want to. Like, Kevin Durant's pull-up, can't touch that. Kyrie can finish any way he wants. He's a magician with the basketball, but we never put those guys in the top echelon of of basketball because they didn't do it at a a high enough level by themselves where they were uber uh, interested in playing defense and being good team leaders and and making sure that everybody was playing hard. They didn't do that. They were they known for being good scorers and. Good, solid basketball, really great basketball but, but players. But isn't our skills. point here, though, is that Donovan, I think, is showcasing all the other parts? Yes. I, and I th- Like, Donovan's he's being the good defender right now. He's being a fantastic teammate by all accounts. Like, I mean, he is – he's raising everyone else's game up. I talked about Jared Allen in that stretch where Mobley and Garland were off the court. Jared Allen would have been considered soft a large portion of his career. Yes. That little stretch there, he wasn't. He was playing hard with Donovan every single night, night in, night out, and he was he was banging down well. He wasn't he wasn't just being a pushover. I think people people like to say, "Oh, we got Do- we got Darius if Donovan leaves." Let me just be clear. Oh yeah, that's Do- not that's not good. Donovan Mitchell. I, I is, like I like I like Darius. That's he is not the good. leader. He is the unquestioned leader to see. Yes. Yes. And I almost feel bad doing those interviews with people like Chris who cover the team and around the team. Because I'm like, I, I'm sorry that every question goes back to Donovan, but every question goes back to Donovan. Because he's he's the guy. Like, you know, like he, he like he does things on a nightly basis where he he's locked in. And it's hard to get your best player to be locked in all the time and say all the right things, but he just does. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. John in Cleveland up next on the fan. What's up, John? Yes, gentlemen. Um I was just responding to the uh what did you say in the cavalry? too soft a little bit, but that's kind of because of Kobe Altman, that's what that, it seems like that's the type of players he targets, like dudes with, you know, nice personalities. Like, he doesn't go after, like, he didn't go after T.J. Warren in the offseason. He went after, like, I mean, um, Niang, I guess I guess he's tough, whatever, but I don't really see it on the court that what he brings to the team other than, I guess, his attitude because his, phys- his physicalness as far as uh, his athleticism is, is lacking, but um. He, you know, he 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 got rid of J.R. Smith. He didn't. He don't like those dudes with those with that kind of street personality. It seems like like uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Um, he got rid of him. You know, he don't. Well, want I think he was right in getting rid of Kevin Porter Jr. Was he not? No, I'm just saying he don't want nobody that's going to like cause any problems I mean, in the locker room. But, but some of them dudes is the kind of guys you need on your team because out on that court they're not going to take no junk from another team. Like until Jared Allen when he got threw down by Ben Simmons and he got up and. He brought he brought Tristan back though, John. I mean, Tristan is about as tough as it gets. Yeah, but I wanted somebody that that could contribute on the court too. I mean, I know Tristan was you know I love Tristan, but they could have targeted some 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 guys that was a little more with a little more off that can give you some on the court as well. But okay. um, I, I mean, I'm happy with the team. I'm happy with what's going on. But I thought they he he do, he doesn't target guys that. Hmm. That got the street personality, the street personality, which is what you need on the court sometimes. Well, and so, and the genesis of this, and thank you, John. I do appreciate you, man, as always. Though, like the genesis of this is, it's the Shaq convo with Dame over All Star Weekend. He, he says, "Hey, Dame, you and Giannis and Doc, it's going to fall on you guys if you don't end up winning." And right now, you guys are being too soft. You guys, you guys, you're not being hard enough on this team and telling them what they need to do. Gee, I kind of look at this roster. With the Cavs, I think there are times where we could have gone down that road, but I feel like Donovan has brought a toughness to this team. 
I don't Ew. feel like they're soft. And I think Mitch has a good question before the show got underway. He was like, all right, well, can you have your guard be your tough guy? Can a guard be your enforcer of sorts to make sure everyone gets in line? Sure. Uh, I, I've got to be the right guy. Yeah, you just have to like because, like, like for instance, with the Warriors, Steph is not the Steph isn't that guy. Draymond's right. that guy. But Marcus Smart did it for years. Yep, Marcus Smart, and also I mean, in college, famously went into the stands right. too. Well, that, Marcus Smart is just I built think differently. When you, when you create your no whole, games. yeah, but but it is few and far between, though. But still, I'm just like that guy was it's a guy you don't mess with, right? You for don't sure. mess with the steam because you know he's standing over there. He's just waiting for you. He's asking you to do it. He wants you to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Ron Artest, I don't know if you counted him as a guard. or He's a small forward, but Ron Artest was a, a, a guy that was an enforcer. Yeah. I, I think you toughness doesn't necessarily have to be I'm physically punching you in the face. Toughness is I, we, we playing bad, and we playing on the road to a bad team like Memphis, and – I bring all the guys in and be like, come on, bro, what are we doing? We're not about to mm -hmm. just give this game up. Like, and I'll show you by me saying it, but I also showing it by instead of taking a 90-foot jumper, I'm gonna get to the free throw line and get some points to stop a, 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 a you know, stop the bleeding. So I think you can do what you play too. Yeah, I wonder if that's almost kind of in a roundabout way being a leader of sorts. Yeah. Where like Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant famously said how he didn't want to be, he's not a leader. He's a bucket getter. The coach is the leader. I'm a bucket getter. Right, like, like there are some people that are yeah. really good at that, and there are other people that aren't. And yeah. I, I don't know. I think Donovan falls in the category of being really good at that, and I think that's going to be one of the big differences from last year to this year is is trying to make sure everyone can get on the same page when things do go south. Because in the in the playoffs last year, things went south, and Donovan didn't really know how to handle it because the the, the lights got too bright. And Allen was out there telling you as much, and it felt like Donovan didn't have an well, answer. Maybe this year he does. Donovan is tough, but he's not. From jump tough. Like, he doesn't come out and go right away. Like, the moment you step onto the court, if you do one little thing wrong, I'm coming after you. It kind of boils for him, right? Yeah, it, I can see that. It And it becomes like, okay, that's enough. And then once you boiled over the top, then it's he lets it all out. I don't know that they have somebody that Tristan was kind of that guy, but he's on the bench, so it's really hard for him to be the, hey, yeah. I'm going to be tough right when we step. It's supposed to be Jared Allen, really. It's supposed to be. And he's been tougher. I think he's gotten better, but yeah, he was starting at the very bottom. Right. Correct. So, 216-474-0092. Lance in Painesville up next. What's up, Lance? Hey, how you brothers doing? Hey, Lance. Good. Hey, I think um, as far as the tough thing goes, um, <clears throat> I don't think Donovan necessarily has to be in your face tough. I, I think that's what a lot of people are looking for. They're looking for that guy that'll scream and get in somebody's face for making a mental mistake on the court or something like that. I don't think they necessarily need that. But I'm I'm sort of cautiously looking at this team's like a I'm still waiting to see I, I, what they do in the postseason. I, 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 even if they finish number one in the East, I'm still the last year the Milwaukee Bucks were number one and they got knocked out the first round by a playing team, the Miami Heat. So what they do right now in the regular season is nice, all the bells and whistles, but it's what you do in May and April, April and May and June. Is, that's still going to determine whether or not how far the Cavs get and, and whether or not Donovan Mitchell is going to stay with this team beyond this year. Yeah. Do we really need Donovan Mitchell? I mean, think about it. I feel like we do. I, yeah. I'm thinking trade. I'm go you know, if, if, if they don't get far in the playoffs, it wouldn't be a bad idea to look 
you know, if you can get some talent comparable, which would be hard to do, but get you some pieces because people are, I think, putting a lot on Donovan Mitchell's plate, and, and they're assuming he can handle the weight. I, it's it's rather to be seen right now if he can handle pressure. Well, we'll find we'll place. we'll find out. And thank you, Lance. I do appreciate you. But it's going to be Donovan's call. That's not really the Cavs' call there. Uh, yeah, listen, I I think that that people are jumping and they think they're they're underestimating the value of of Donovan Mitchell. Like, let's just be clear. Like, the dude is averaging twenty eight points a game. Like. He's averaging, you know, six, five, six rebounds, six assists, like, like, and playing good defense. Like, it's that's tough to match. He's incredible. We come on back. We'll get to Mitch, please, and also, I think it's coming to the future for you around the NFL. Jonathan Beetle and Garrett Bush with you guys right here on the fan. Jonathan Beetle and Garrett Bush with you guys. Now let's get to Mitch Palooza as we do another rousing edition of Mitch, please. What's up, Mitch? Morning, Jonathan. Uh, our clip today comes from ESPN's first take yesterday, just after we ended the show uh, yesterday morning. It was J.J. Redick who was talking about some comments that Milwaukee Bucks head coach Doc Rivers made uh, earlier this week on Sirius. J.J., his former player with Doc with the L.A. Clippers, had some uh, very choice words about his former coach. I've seen the trend now. I've seen the trend for years. The trend is always making excuses. Get Doc, we get it. Taking over a team in the middle of the season is hard. It's hard. We get it. Just like getting traded in the middle of the season is hard for a player. We get it. Mm-hmm. But it's always an excuse. It's always throwing your team under the bus. They lose to Memphis. Oh, it's his players. Memphis was playing G League guys and two-way guys. And then you look at his quotes over the weekend. Now he wants to take credit for the James Harden trade to the Clippers working out. He wants credit for that. There's just no. <laughs> there's never accountability with that guy. Well, there's never accountability. Tell us how you really feel. I mean, that was hard. Wow. That was J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick on ESPN's first take yesterday. J.J.'s never shy with a take there, G. Bush. He's always the first one to really come guns a-blazing, so it yeah. doesn't surprise me that he came out guns a-blazing there. I think I think it was, it was kind of warranted. Like, Doc coming out saying, I don't even know why the Milwaukee Bucks even hired me like that. I'm like, what y'all doing? Y'all want me? Little old me? In the middle of the year? Psst, all right, I guess I'll come over and get this money. Like, he he's been living a long time off that Kevin Garnett Paul Pierce game. That, well, Ray, Ray the Allen. 08 title. I mean, it's not like I mean that's you win it. You're, you're right. You you shouldn't win a, a championship. How many years ago was that? 16 years ago. Yeah, that's like so. I, like I, if you were born the year that they won a title, you're just now able to you're able to drive this year, and that's that's the amount of time it's been. It's a great thing. I remember watching that. My daughter was born like two weeks after that. I was in Vegas to watch that finals. She was born two weeks after. She's and now she's going she's through driving. the process. Of driving. Yeah. It's incredible. Okay, so I, I mean that's Man. that's been a long time. There's no doubt about that. But what do you what do, what do people want Doc to say? I'm or gonna, or is it weird that Doc is doing like a victory lap for being relevant still? I don't know. I, maybe that's the other argument that we're going down. You know how people go, man. Listen, people understand it. You damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. That's why JJ Redick is. You know, he's he's saying what he's saying. Right. Like. Nowadays, players and coaches have platforms, and they just kind of, like, you know, they have to kind of say certain things to, like, compete in the space that we compete in, right? Like, you know, like, you think about it, Cam Newton. Cam Newton, like, he's calling everybody, but, you know, manager, you know, he's a manager, but a manager ain't a bad thing. Yeah, but Cam Newton also, within that discourse, got so many conversations started. Yeah. And is making a legitimate argument to be one of the top, if not the top, sports personality on YouTube. 
Yeah. Like you live in the YouTube world, you know what that's like. He gets he has how many like a million subs or something insane. Cam, uh, Shannon Sharp is doing big numbers. Uh, you know, Ryan Clark is doing huge numbers. Uh, and, and I've heard Cam Newton's philosophy on it. I think it's actually really smart. He's like, why why join ESPN when I can make my own ESPN? It adds up to me, but you don't. Even if you're Cam Newton, you still need people to come to where you're at. I I, th- I love I love everybody doing their thing. Like you know, I I, I don't I even like. Deshaun Watson stuff, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, I, I like people controlling their own narrative. Right, of course. But then, I, I don't know, it felt like, it felt like you, you, you it, it kind of felt like you're saying J.J. said it just to say it. No, I think he believes it. I, I think that J.J. has put a stamp on the market as being a dude that's not afraid to say things about current players. Because remember, players used to never really call out other players. J.J. is kind of one of the dudes that got into the game early, right? You know, Rex Chapman got into the game early. Like, well, Rex Chapman was just posting, like, GIFs and retweets of fun, nice, kind things. Well, that's I wouldn't it. say I, – I don't put him in the same space as J.J. Right? No, no, no. I mean, he got in early. He got in on the early part. Like, how Michael Parsons is like, yeah, I still play, but – Yeah, J.J. had the podcast while he was still – Old in the man league. of the three. Yeah, yeah. yeah You're yeah. talking like how, like, Draymond, for instance. Draymond's yes. still playing, but Draymond's got the volume network and there he's doing all this stuff. Yep, is that what you're yep. going for? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Okay. Still relevant, still kind of playing, but they obviously have a plan to get into broadcasting in a major way after they're done. Which all athletes should. Yeah, I, I think they should. I mean, too. anyone that wants to have a voice in that, that you should be doing it while you're playing. It gives you all sorts of an advantage. Yeah. Like, like you, Pat Beverly's podcast? It's, it's incredible. I, listen, even, you you heard his instant reaction as he got traded. Like that's that's it's fascinating. Jeff Teague, uh, Paul George has one. Gilbert Arenas, I like all Gilbert Arenas stuff. Like I, I like, like Gilbert Arenas, is, that's a madman right yeah. there. <laughs> who, who didn't know he would be this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm the listen, and they call me the Duke of knee jerk. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like Gilbert be real. Well, his knees Gilbert be will challenge you to a duel though. Yeah, he's in he, the locker. Yeah, yeah, like he's hilarious. Right, that's one word to describe him. <laughs> I mean, any serious when it comes to other things, evidently. Marcus and Aurora finish us off here. What's up, Marcus? Hey guys, um, first on Gilbert Arenas. You know, before he blew out his knee for about three years, he was he was unguardable. Uh, you know, and then I think he hurt his knee and didn't work hard enough in rehab. And and Reddick's a goofball, but I guess I got to agree with him. <laughs> and, and the best thing about Doc Rivers is last year. They're in the final, this game seven against the Celts. He lets them Celtics go on an eighteen to zero run before he calls timeout. They were still in the game. After eighteen nothing run, he calls time. You know Phil Jackson when he was coaching the Lakers. If the other team went on like a five nothing or seven nothing run in the playoffs, he called timeout. So yeah, Doc something else. Didn't he? And and by the way, Jimmy Haslam signed off on him. So. You guys are the best. I appreciate it. Thanks, that Marcus. That is a crazy way to think of it. He, I Jimmy, didn't think about that. That's crazy. Like Jimmy did kind of sign off. You think off Jimmy's on. actually signing off on all that? He's a very, I mean, he's a meddling owner. We know that. But you think you think that's what he was doing? Nah. I don't think so. He's not making Columbus crew I don't moves. think so. I know we like to put everything at the feet of Jimmy. I, I, let's not put everything at the feet of Jimmy, though. Yeah, we can't say that. Can't say that. Thank you to Mitch Palooza. Thank you to Owen. Appreciate the two of you. G. Bush. Appreciate you for hanging out with me, man. Yeah, it was good hanging out. You know, good to see you. Uh, tell the family. Uh, good to hear. Uh, you know, best regards. Let them know. 
You tell the missus I said hi. Yeah, yeah. You know, you watch the other, the other day it popped up on Facebook. I was like one of her uh, like top friends or something like that. I got like a badge. It was like a badge that popped up. It was like, <laughs> you've liked her, more of her content than most people. Yeah, yeah, You're like, one of her top fans. And I'm look, like, yes, I am. Yeah, like, like Hell look, yeah, I am. Look at you. You got stars. That's right. I, I, it's kind of creepy. Like when you Google who Garrett Bush's wife is, she comes up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. That's kind of crazy. I right, appreciate you, man, as always. All right, man. Uh, hopefully, Ken will be back tomorrow. He was dealing with it. He was just under the weather today. I'll be back with him tomorrow as well as Friday. Baskin and Phelps, come your way next right here on The Fan. Hey, sounds good. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 